Oi, you lot. You're listening to Garage Hammer. Episode 205. On tonight's episode, the Battlings decide to talk about all the things you need to play this game. Because it seems like you need a lot more things to play this game than you used to need to play this game. And if you're going to play this game, you should have all the things you need to play. That's what he's. That's, well, that's what the fat man like said. I don't need did whatever. Just hey, if you know the game, maybe it's fun. If you don't, pay attention and shut it. I'm listening to me show. Welcome to the garage, you tools. For the next two hours or thereabouts, we will do our best to be informed, entertained, and perhaps have a laugh or two along the way. Bringing you, what does it say in the rules? What do the rules say? And no psych-outs, I'm Alex Gonzalez. And I'm Skip Stevenson. Why am I Skip Stevenson? Because I didn't think of anything to say until this very moment. Excellent. Doesn't that work, though? Yeah. Hey, at least yeah. you got through this one. Hey, buddy. <laughs> Last episode was amazingly silly. Yes. Uh. Yes, it was. However, yeah, no. You didn't get me this time, but Master Engineer didn't get me this time. I'm not. Uh, he wasn't trying. He just yes. just gotcha. Yeah. Oh boy. Uh-huh. <laughs> Regardless. So, how you been? Oh, um, uh, crazy busy and uh, having a good time though, and um, getting ready for Thanksgiving and putting up the tree and all that good oh. stuff. Hey, the uh, tree goes up Thanksgiving weekend. I got four days. I got three days off work. Everything has to get done that weekend. Uh-huh. That leaves my holidays available to do things like grading papers and stuff. Gross. Oh, that's awesome. What about you? Uh, How was your weekend? Good Lord. <laughs> I don't think I've ever done that much laundry in my life. Um, Carrie and I had our baby shower uh, the weekend of the 11th. And between that and... Um, a donation that we got from one of our friends, Ken Miller. Um, if you know Ken, um, he gave us like three of these massive 3M boxes of girls' clothes from like newborn to 5T. So huge shout out to Ken. Um, but that is a lot of laundry that I have never done that much before. Um, and then like Adepticon happened, the registration went up. And good Lord. What happened, Dave? What happened? Everybody wants to play. Yes. (laughs) Well, congratulations, I guess, on selling out in like an hour and 20 minutes or whatever it was. Not even. Uh, No, the the championship went in about an hour. 176 spots in an hour. Mm, Crazy. We had a little bit from the Geek Nation early signups as part of that deal. Oh, yeah. But... We so we did that fast of a sellout one time in eighth edition, just once. Um, that was the second to last year of eighth, where it went in an hour, um, and no one saw it coming. Everyone did exactly what's going on now. They freaked out. It's like, wait a minute! It took you guys days and then previously weeks to sell out. To you're gone in an hour. What did I do? This, that, and the other thing. And it's like, well, we're going to do the same thing that we did then, which is trying to expand and get more tables. Um, We are not sitting on this, folks. We are not 
like throwing our hands up in the air and saying, no, we are not going to accommodate you or we are not going to try to get you into play. That is not how we operate. Uh, I think everybody, A, anybody who listens to the show is probably sympathetic. Okay. I'm hoping at least. But I don't think there's anybody out there who really thinks you're not doing all you can to, to add spots where you can. Adepticon is growing, like ridiculously growing the last couple of years. Like the, the more games, bigger, you know, um, I mean, who expected all that Star Wars stuff to, to go explode like that? All that Fantasy Flight game stuff, getting more space and, and needing more stuff. I mean, like all the different, all the games are growing. It's yeah. it's hard to and who's going to predict an an hour sellout? They haven't done that in a while. Heck, Brandon got in like a week later last year. I thought. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is like there was that rush, and it was just poofed gone. Um, and I mean, I was kind of sitting there in very quiet and sullen disbelief. Carrie was like, "We sold out in an hour. Why aren't you happy?" And it's like. We sold out in an hour. People didn't get in. That's that like that bothers me. Yeah, but there, on there's only so much you can do, and you guys are doing stuff. You know, let's let's just let's not dwell on the negatives. Yes, not everybody got in. Not everybody. I mean, it's it. This things happen sometimes. You guys are doing it, yeah. trying to get in more spots, trying to get what you can. Do what you can. I'm, um, uh, you know, yeah. uh, so least, you know. Everyone, rest assured, we are trying. And we will do our very best that we can to get as many people in as we can. So, all right. That's the spiel about Adepticon. But for the last thing I'll say on this subject is a thank you to everybody that signed up, to everybody that got on the wait list. Uh, We haven't had a sellout like this uh, in five years. And... For us to do this this quickly really speaks to the growth of this game, to the growth of this community, that we can do this, that the game is in that spot of demand. And I'll keep coming back to it, but when we first did it, we had 40 people in the champs for AOS. Now we're over four times that. I did really good that year. You did. I came in like I mean, fourth, I think. Yeah, I mean, heck, I even did good that fourth well, out really. of forty. Hey, that's top ten percent. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't go that. I don't, I don't go that high. I don't usually get that high. Yeah, but for us to do what we did this year, where everything sells out in under an hour and a half, uh, except the young bloods. Young bloods, we still got a little room to grow. Um, but for us to have done what we did. Uh, yesterday as of time of recording. Um, it's just amazing. And thank you to everybody. Um, I know I sound kind of sullen about it, but uh, I'm still... Because uh, that's because Alex is beating himself up over the fact that not everybody who wants to play can get in and play. Something he has zero control over. Yes. If you had 250 However. spots and 300 people tried to sign up, Alex would still be sad because of these people not signed up. I mean, there's so, I mean, that, that, for those of you who don't know Alex like I do, does he yeah. have absolutely everything he can do, got a crew going, got everything going, and now he's kicking himself uh, because that's that's the guy he is. So, Regardless, 
we'll do the best we can. But thank you to everybody, and thank you for your patience while we're going through this and trying to make this work as best we can. So we are not sitting on our hands. We are – well, I actually am right now, but um, we are doing everything that we can. You're actually sitting on your hands? Yeah. That's weird. You're weird. But – You noticed. Good. Well spotted. Yes. Yes, but yes. at least I'm not sitting on my hands. Of course, I got a hey, pen man. in my hand. If I was sitting on my hands, that would be uncomfortable. Point is, um, thank you, everyone. And and you know who else we got to thank? Probably the sponsors, right? See, how'd you like that segue right there? Pulling you out that of was, that. That was class. That was um, top so, notch. Hot. Anyway. All right, let's do this. You want to? So th- as always. We need to take a moment to thank the sponsors of Garage Hammer, which include Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore, Chaos Orc Superstore, Chaos Orc Superstore, Chaos Orc Superstore, Chaos Orc Superstore. Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios for all your basing and MDF needs. And Lindsay's Gamer Garrison in Wakanda, Illinois. Not that Wakanda, and not that Lindsay. Yeah. She's Uh, feeling neglected, my poor Lindsay over here. Poor hockey puck. She's sitting Um, there looking right at me. Yeah, so I was at Holy Havoc uh, a couple of weeks ago. Holy Havoc! I was there for one evening. Yes, um, and I was talking with the guys from the Indianapolis crew, and they were wondering what happened to Black Dog um, on the list oh. of our sponsors, um, and we never talked about it. Um, unfortunately, uh, just prior to us recording the daughter's review, uh, Black Dog had to close. Um, it was very sudden, very come out of left field. Um, they were in a bit of a financial hole uh, with their space and business and everything. So, um, unfortunately, they had to close shop. Um, but we certainly do wish them all the best. Um, Andrew and Jen are close friends. And that was a hard pill to swallow, uh, them going. But... Unfortunately, that is nature of business, unfortunately. Yep. So. so. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's move on from there. Okay. Uh, yeah, we got to pick it up. Yeah, Patreon yeah. sponsors. Uh, associate producers. Phil Elliott, Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, our executive producer, Nick Nafpliotis. Uh, I want to thank all those guys for being part of that 1% who make the show and everything we do possible. So please go check out the Patreon page. Just go look at what it is and what we're doing. Um, if the show's worth a buck an episode to you or something like that, hey, we appreciate it. It's what keeps this going and allows us to go to tournaments and get all this stuff and do all these things and, and bring all this information to you. Um, and so uh, just want to uh, tell everybody uh, thanks. And that's that's... Where you can go to find it out, patreon.com slash garagehammer. Um, and voicemail. We have voicemail. Do we? We do. You That's, sure? We do. It's 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. That's 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. And uh, international callers, most countries, dial 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. Ain't got no voicemails. But we have a voicemail line, so people can call if they want. It goes, ebbs and flows, kind of like Adepticon signups. Sometimes I get no voicemails. Sometimes I get all the voicemails. So uh, if you want to voicemail us or something like that, you can. 
we totally will listen to it and it might even get played on the air I think that's yeah. everything mm-hmm. okay so why don't we take a break and when we come back we'll come back with the uh, toolbox which you haven't been able to do in a couple episodes so we got uh, a lot of toolboxing to do yes yes Folks, Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chess X Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted board and miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. And we are back with the Toolbox, brought to you by... Chaos Art Superstar! Chaos Art Superstar, Chaos Art Superstar, Chaos Art Superstar, Chaos Art Superstar. There we go. Now I sang it, even. Yes. It's incredible! Stuff. It is. Alright, hobby! You've been doing a lot of hobbying. I know you have. You've been like the hobby meister. Not really. In the last, um, like, month? Yeah, I've not really finished anything, but I've been working on a lot uh i started i did my first attempt at wet blending with my idol onto the storm uh-huh on his uh water cape doing a little aquaman action trying to do a fade from purple to blue oh i saw that picture his, yeah yeah uh, it was my first attempt at wet blending using a uh, hobo wet palette using a old dish sponge and a bit of parchment paper, and a little bit of hope. Uh, so he came out okay, pretty happy with his cape. He is one of the last pieces that I need for the army, uh, for like the tournament side of it, for when I'm going to be playing it, is him. So I'm spending a little more time on him than I would a lot of other models. He's obviously one of the big centerpieces for the army. So I've got a lot more work to do on him yet, and I've got another... 10 thralls and the soul render on the table as well. So I've been trying to keep up with those. My goal is to get those done before New Year's, but Aquaman's going to take a while, I think. Yeah. As he should. He is one of those big models that you should definitely spend the extra time on. So uh, before we started recording, I finished his skin up and his eyes. So I still gotta finish up his armor, weapons, the rest of the fish on the board, on the display, on the uh, base of the miniature. Uh, there's a lot that I still have to do for him. So yeah, he's good, and hopefully I can get all that done before year's end, and everything will be fine. And for whatever reason, I've been assembling Grotz and Stormcast. So 
That's on a spare. Grotz spin. and Stormcast. Oh, that'll yes. be a nice combo. No, it's really not. Um, oh. I picked up about 30 or so of the Grotz Scuttlings from the Silver Tower box set. The oh. spider ones. Yeah, I've got okay. a bunch of those that I'm going to mix into my Grot units for the new Moon Clan army I'm putting together. So, I mean, it's my new version of it because I do a new one with every edition, it seems. Yes. And with second edition do. coming out, I wanted to do another one. So, I've got that, and it's just trying to keep up with everything is just a mess. But it'll be all right. How about you? Oh, geez. Let's see. Um, well, I was working on a couple of the, the smaller flyers from that silly detachment I had for uh, the Ultramarines. Because I finished uh, I finished the tank and I finished the, the plane. I even got the glass on there. I was pretty pleased. Fancy. You know? Yeah. I'm going straight Primaris stuff. Like, all I got left to build out of this that I own is, the, is a couple of characters. You know? And so I'm like, oh, look, I got all this stuff going. So then I got the, the, the Thunder Hawk or the, no, no, the Storm Hawk. I think I built, and then there's two Storm Ravens or the smallest. Whichever is the small one, the Hawk or the Raven. That's what I'm working on. Uh, but I put that aside because then I started playing with, uh, I was painting up some of the terrain for 40K and decided I wanted to give uh, I wanted to give a try to some of that where you put the rock salt on the, you put on the rust color first, then you put down the rock salt, then you paint. Then when you scrape away the, the rock salt from the model, it's got what the underneath is what's left, so it actually looks like that, you know, it's the rust under the layer of paint. Mm. So I'm giving that a try. I saw it in a video, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to try this. I had to go out and buy rock salt for the driveway, so I grabbed a bunch of it. You crush it up, and then you try it on this. So I'm going to be trying that. Um, I rolled out over 100 of those 25-millimeter bases with that roller I got from Green Stuff World. So I'm making bases. I got all my skeletons that I kept, all the, you know, the, the decent enough skeletons are on, on those bases now. My all my grave guard around those bases, uh, the night haunt stuff I got around those bases. So I'm going to keep working on that. Uh, I started repainting the grave guard. I got about a quarter of them based with uh, the armor now. I just based all the armor in the cloth purple to go with Nagash, and then I'm going to work from there. Uh, sure. Yeah, I mean, I've just been going. Through, it's been like over a month, but I've been painting like I've been doing stuff like every day. And it's like when I get a little bored, I just switch to one of the other things that I have as a project sitting here. Mm-hmm. Like I need to stop this now. I'm kind of getting a little, you know, like I did those. Well, the other thing I was doing, I spent the last week trying to figure out how to do that ghost fade with from the darker green to the light green to the white. Mm-hmm. Since I don't have an airbrush, you know, which apparently seems to be the way that everyone keeps saying I should be doing it. But I want to learn right. how to paint, like smooth painting. And uh, took a couple of tries and some help from Vince Ventrella and Tyler Mingle and uh, other people. Steve Foot, like a bunch of people responded when I posted the stuff up on on uh, Twitter, and they're like, "Here's what, here, try this." So it turns out if you if you mix the uh, that oxide stuff with like a like a bajillion parts of Lamian medium, it thins it out so much that the coat is like super even almost no matter what you do. Like it was, I kept thinking I did enough. I just kept going more and more. So I got that going. But after about 20 of those, because you got to be real careful and it was kind of a pain and I was still doing a little dry brushing on it. So it doesn't look really beautiful like those ones you see 
on the community site with Tyler Mangle. You know those things? Mm-hmm. They don't look that nice, but they look pretty good. And now I know how to do it. So it's like I want to finish up these chain rasps, and then I'm just kind of jumping around between all these projects. Like now that I know how to do some of this fade, I may go back and try to finish. I, I never finished my Celestin Prime because I never finished the swirly part because I couldn't do the fade. I was like, oh, I might be able to yeah. do the fade now. Mm-hmm. So thanks to all those people who helped me out. I did all. I mean, seriously, I did all that stuff. And you know, I decided today, I'm like, I need to take a break. I'm not even going to finish the chain rest right now because I told my brother-in-law about Speed Freaks. Uh-oh. And he wants to try it. And you know what? These GW, these mini games that they sell, this is how you get people in. You know, like my brother-in-law is never going to build and paint an army. Dude, he's he's an over-the-road, he like does long-haul truck stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Like he's never going to be sitting around painting an army. Although I think that when you're driving out there and you got to stop for 24 hours because... You can only drive so much, you know, and then like, oh, no, you got to take your stop. Like, that would be a perfect time. If they got you in a uh, place, a hotel, mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere, paint. But that's just me. But, like, he's interested. Like, he likes cars and stuff. I was like, oh, that sounds cool. So I think I'm going to, next couple of days, I'm going to try to just build as quick as I can the whole Speed Freaks game and bring it with to Thanksgiving, see if he wants to see see how he likes it. Interesting. Well, I, I mean, seriously, these these games are good for the people who aren't good, who are not full time gamers. Like uh, Warhammer Quest, I got Christopher and his friends playing that for a while. Um, oh, speaking of which, dude, the Blackstone Fortress. Did you see that thing? I did. That comes out what Black Friday? That thing looks. Now there is a copy at Lindsay's. He got an advanced copy, so he's got it all open and it's built, so you can come see it. Uh, and he was playing the game, and he's like, "Dude, this game's great." I'm like, it's like Warhammer Quest, right? He's like, no, I actually like it better than Warhammer Quest. He's like, it's very similar, but this game's awesome. He's like, and the models are great, and it's just so much fun. He's like, this might be the best thing that their specialist games thing has done so far. So yeah. I'm excited for it. Oh, yeah, All the reviews I've seen have been pretty rave. And, uh, speaking of which, um, so listen, Lindsay's is going to be selling it like at a super deal. Like they got a special deal. Um, he said, listen, um, I think he's got like 170 copies he's going to have for like, it's either 137 or 173. I can't remember which. I could have sworn it was 173 copies, like on Black Friday. And um, he'll ship too. And he's got, he's he's doing a super Black Friday weekend special. Like I can't even tell you the price on the air. But for listeners, if you're interested, call Lindsay's Gamer Garrison. And the phone number's in the show notes and stuff. Call them up and tell them you heard about the, you know, Blackstone Fortress on Garage Hammer. And dude, it's that's a it's a good it's a good price. Like I don't see you getting it better anywhere else. But that's a Black Friday. He's running that special that weekend. I know. Um, it might even extend it through the holidays, depending on how many he sells. But just call them up. And tell them you heard on Garage Hammer that they got Blackstone Fortress at a stupid good price. And uh, he'll hook you up. And like I said, he'll ship. So there you go, everybody. Blackstone Fortress from Lindsay's. I'm getting one because I get everything. Because, well, (laughs) have you listened to the show? Yeah. But I played a bunch of the Warhammer Quest. I like it. So this looks like fun, too. Mm -hmm. And so... 
And then I got I was building the Night Vault set. I I got to figure out how to play the new unit, the new armies cuz I'm I signed up for it at Pekka, even though I haven't played in like a month or two. So I figured I should make something and go play. I may just want to I think I want to do the 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 goblin guys. Just the grots? Yeah. I've actually been playing them a bunch lately uh since they came out. For Underworlds? Yeah. Is it fun with them? Cuz they're fun. They're not good, but they're fun. That's that's. I just want to paint them a bunch. Like I, I just want to paint them and go play. Like I'm not. You know what I'm saying? And I want to take one of the new things that's got all the special new stuff to it. Yeah, they're special. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, no, I could I, just take the new Stormcast. I mean, that would be easy. Or I could take the Eyes of the Nine. No, take the Gods because they're funner. That's that's what I'm thinking. And we can compare decks too, because uh-huh. I think in the right hands with someone who's willing to do the silly stuff they're actually quite competitive oh if you're willing to go that route i may i may now i'm i listen i know myself well enough that i know i i i think i can do the willing to do the silly i think knowing myself as i feel i do i think i could do it yeah no it's one of those it's a crew that a, requires a lot of patience and a lot of quick decision making to try to finish your games in a timely fashion because you are moving so many models. For those that don't follow along at home with this, it's a nine model crew in a game that usually has about five or six yep. or three, depending on your group. So if you'd have a nine model crew and a lot of them activate at the same time between uh, the squig herder poking the squigs, and then when the grots move, they move another grot next to them. The fanatic has his own weird chart. Like there is a lot to keep track of with this crew, but it's been fun every game I've played with it. See, that's what I like to hear. So I might be doing that too. Oh, um, and one last thing in the hobby, and then we can move on and get out of this. Um, so I was doing those bases, right? Ryan Nichols like sent me to this video on YouTube, um, and it's basically it's this guy who's making bases, and I think it's from the guys at uh, what is it Green Stuff World? Mm-hmm. If it's not, they're using a Green Stuff World roller in the video. But sure. I ordered this stuff from Amazon. It's uh, plasticine. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Play-Doh. Um, and if you want to see the one I got, you can go to Amazon and type in plastilina. Uh, and then four point five pounds, or the pound sign, on that I bought. I got a like a basically a two kilo brick of this dark green stuff uh, for like fourteen bucks, which is wow. I, yeah. And you does it explode? No, I mean, but they have a variety of colors. So whatever you want to do your bases with, or your other stuff, whatever you're sculpting with, you can go with certain with different colors. But uh, I mix up the milliput, and then however much I've got after I mixed it, I add in that same amount in the plast- uh, in the plasticine. And it makes it less sticky, a little thicker. Now, that plasticine stuff is just like is not a – it takes forever to dry hard, which is why you got to mix it with milliput and not just use it because it will stay soft like forever. But mix it with the milliput 50-50, and it all does dry up pretty well. Um, and it makes some really nice bases. Like I, I made. I, Brandon's going to come over like next weekend after Thanksgiving, and I think we're going to do a YouTube video on that, just showing how to 
I roll that out. Um, I put it between parchment paper so that it, even if it gets sticky, you could roll it out pretty flat. Like I've been using just the little grommets that you get from Green Stuff World, like the small ones on the end, and they're still pretty thick bases. So I may go and just roll it out with a regular rolling pin, even thinner, and then just roll the pattern on it, like not as you know, not as not as much, and then uh, see if I can get them a little thinner. But then that stuff is stretching because Milliput's not cheap, but it's really good. Mm-hmm. And uh, and this stuff stretches that out pretty far and makes it really nice to work with because it's a little more, it's a little less tacky and a little more rubbery when you're playing and, and molding and scraping and, and sculpting it. So lots of hobby stuff going on. I've just been on a bananas hobby high right now. Good, good, good. So I guess that's all for the hobby. Um, now you were gaming. You were at uh, Holy Wars. Holy Havoc, yeah. Holy Havoc, yep. Uh, so that one was... It was my last big GT before uh, January and the baby and everything showing up. So I was going in just looking to have an amazing weekend, and that is exactly what happened. Uh, I played with John Wanger using my Deepkin and his daughter's a cane, uh, all snakes for those wondering. John could not get you know bananas amount of witch elves done, but uh, we went three and three. We didn't do amazingly well on the overall like pairings and results, but we ended up picking up best sports, which I think meant more than an actual like win if we had gone to the event. But just getting that and having played against six teams of amazing people, every game was great and it was a very hard decision for us to do our best sports vote and for the people that voted for us, uh, that means a lot. Because we were coming in like guns blazing for this event. We did more thematic stuff. We painted our stuff to a higher level. And we ended up picking up second uh, fan favorite. So oh, nice. it's like the player's choice. So John and I did what we wanted to do, uh, which is to have a great time, play some games with some new armies for us. And it was an awesome weekend, so kudos to Herner for putting that on and running a great narrative event. So, uh, there's that, and then like I said, I've been playing a lot of Night uh, Night Vault lately, a lot of Underworlds, playing the Grots, having a lot of fun with them, because they're silly and they're Grots, and I love them. <laughs> so, um, and then we've actually got a number of tournaments coming up locally uh the first weekend of december cataclysm games out by me in mcchesney park is running a uh, team tournament they've got spots for i think 32 teams so they've got a pretty big store uh so go ahead and check that out it's pretty much the same setup two teams of a thousand points just come out and have some fun and then the weekend after that there's a tournament at Grognard Games in Roselle, 2K, one day, three rounds. And then Lindsay's has something they're putting together, right? Yes. Now, Lindsay every month has uh, a tournament of some sort. Uh, it flips between 40K and uh, AOS. Uh, but let's see. This year, or this uh, coming up, uh, December 8th is their 40K tournament. Uh, I believe it's 2,000 points. 
Um, but the 40K tournament is on December 8th. It's three rounds, one day. It's a Saturday. And AOS is going to be January 19th. So um, a couple weeks before PACA. Yeah. So it's uh, one day or a couple weeks before PACA. They've got plenty of room. Like, they've got room for, like... Actually, it's the week before PACA. Oh, is it? Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, well. Uh, either way, um, they got room for, like, a good, uh, I think, 16, 20 players. So, and they've been doing some team stuff to get people to bring in their friends, but I think they're going to go single. Uh, now, I am going to try, I, I believe, I spoke to Andrew over at Lindsay's, and he said that... Uh, I believe it's going to be March 2nd. The The date is a little not quite set in stone yet, but I believe that first Saturday in March we're going to do an Adepticon prep-like tournament, just run some practice for Adepticon uh, that I will be running that day. And once again, we have up to 20 people. Probably by next episode I'll have the date in stone and talk to people, and we'll have sign-ups starting right after the first of the year. You can just sign up uh, over the phone or whatever. And uh, I'll have more details on that, but we're going to definitely have that going on at Lindsay's as well. So, lots of stuff happening. Mm-hmm. And then there is one tournament that I promised I would plug, because I'm me. Okay. Uh, so, Andrew, uh, Mr. Mephisto, or Mephisto, I forget what his Mr. Mephisto or Mephiston? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Andrew, he's running a one-day event at... Uh, anime Milwaukee 2019. It's the Anime Hem Tournament, uh, February 16th. It's a one-day, three-round event, 2,000 points, uh, being held uh, at the Anime Milwaukee Convention. Um, I believe it is no cost to sign up, uh, with the exception of you have to get your badge. Uh, they are doing a contest because it's like anime. Uh, you have to bring a monster and a few pieces of train because they are going to do Gur proper because a lot of tournaments don't do that because they either don't have enough monsters on hand or to ask a lot of players to bring a lot of monsters is mm. sometimes a stretch. So for this one, you do have to bring a monster as well as uh, three pieces of terrain. They do have some of their own, I believe, but they're obviously trying to fill it out and get it to proper terrain levels. So I forget how much room he's got, but that is uh, Anime Hem 2019. At the Anime Milwaukee uh, Convention Center, or Anime Milwaukee uh, Convention. And again, that's February 16th. So you can check it out on their Facebook group, uh, which is the Anna. So it's A N I M E Y H E M 2019, February 16th. I see what they so did. Go ahead and check that out. Yeah, very clever. Uh, so we've got that coming up. Yep. Sorry. So, have you been doing other gaming, Dave? I have. Uh, I was at Lindsay's one day AOS team tournament uh, last week or week before last, something like that. And um, I went with Brandon, who's been on the show a while ago. Uh, he was my he, he was what ten twelve years ago. He was a student of mine, and so now he's playing Warhammer. And so we teamed up and went out there. Um, now. Uh, this is now Andrew's working to build the community out there, right? So, um, you know, he basically, if, if you can make it and and have a partner and have a thousand points, he, you know, he's like, I don't care if you follow Grand Alliances. Um, not everybody had everything painted. Like, this was not a big deal. This was a very casual, fun day. 
Mm-hmm. Um, rolled stuff up right out of the books. Played three games. Um, it was a good time, you know. Uh, now, you know, with you know, with uh, not having the heavy painting requirement, you can get a lot of people in there. You can get people who uh, maybe just have a getting started kit or something more built. They can come in, and if you don't have a partner, you can still come in. And there was a couple of you know, hey, if there's a couple people come in because it literally didn't like was no. Like you have to stay with this alliance or anything. It was just bring two thousand point armies and come with your friend and 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 have a good time. And now it was really fun. I haven't played that much in a while. Um, and and the way the way Andrew works it is really everyone comes in and throws in ten bucks. Right? It's ten bucks to play in the tournament. And then he takes all that money and he puts that into prizes. So we had twelve people playing. And there was, you know, the players voted for best painted and best sports, and then there was best overall. And so each member of the team that won got a twenty dollars gift card for the store. You know, nice. Just, yeah. And he's also got raffles going on. Like you get the little, the little, he gets you those little wooden nickels if for every time you play in a tournament or if you come in and do a Monday night paint night, you earn these little things. And when you get eight of them, that's your entrance. You get in for free. So like he's got that one. Brandon came in first time there, won like a fifty dollar gift card. They were raffling off a gift card, a uh, monthly gift card for anyone who's there playing in the tournaments. And so he's like, I'm gonna buy more ghouls. So um that's all going on. And that's just like prize stuff on on the side. Now um we had three really fun games now. We took <laughs> So like we we're just going and we, I didn't know that you could take whatever you wanted, so we were trying to figure out what we had that would match and it basically came down to he's like I've got Nurgle which we could take all my Nurgle and we could each take I can get right us each a thousand points out of all the Nurgle I have or we could do that with the Stormcast but he really wanted to play his Flesh Eater courts because that's the new thing he bought that he's been painting all these ghouls and I said fine I got death but I don't have any of it based which is what kind of prompted the project I'm working on now I'm like all I have is Nagash and he's like that's great then all you need is 200 points more so that's what we did. <laughs> I had Nagash, 10 dogs, and 10 skeletons. And he had um, a ghoul something or other and the uh, aberrant ghoul king. Um, and then the, uh, like, just three units of 20 ghouls. And there we go. We had 2,000 points. And we had a blast just running through and smashing into stuff and playing games. Um, <laughs> Nagash is dumb. <laughs> no. Yeah. I had no. never played him, and I didn't even play like with the. I didn't have no mirrors. I didn't have no Archon the Black. I just had straight up Nagash, and like I mean, you know, people did walk in like, oh god, someone brought Nagash to it. I'm like, well, it is, you know, yeah, he's in a thousand points. But we were playing two, and I did play against Alarial and Durthu in one list. I played against uh, a Great Unclean One with a bunch of Blight Kings in another list, so I didn't feel too bad. Uh, but this is the first time I ever played him, and uh, I'm telling you. Well, okay, first of all, and I'm, I don't want to go into too long into this stuff. I don't want to take all day with this. But now, um, do you know Brendan and David? They were they played at they were at Holy Havoc. Yes. Yeah. Okay. They were our first opponents. They came down from Milwaukee and they were playing in, in this, and um, they took they basically took one of the guys Nurgles. 
So it's it's a, a two thousand two one thousand point Nurgle lists. Great unclean one. Lots of Blight Kings. Lots of other stuff. Um, and it was so funny because it's Brendan and David playing Brandon and David, and Brandon looked at their at their army and said, "If we would have gone with Nurgle, that's exactly we would have had that exact same list." He's like, "That's exactly mm-hmm. what I would have brought," which would I thought would have been really just kind of funny and wrong, like Brendan and David and Brandon and David playing a mirror match list in a team tournament, no less. Mm-hmm. So, like, well, we're kind of glad that it came out the other way. Now, I just want to give a couple of highlights. I played three great games against uh, really great guys, right? Um, I should have lost the first one to David and Brendan. We were playing. The objectives were tight. It was really close. Um, they came at me with their stuff. They were doing all the things they could. The Blight Kings came in. The Great Unclean One came in. They got Nagash down to one wound. I made enough saves on, like, the six-up secondary save to to have one wound left. And then when it went to my turn, uh, we went in there, and I got off enough magic and did enough healing to him that he not only lived, but I handed-dusted the Great Unclean One. And after we did that, he Nagash managed to kind of roll through and, and really hold on to things while the ghouls were running around and doing all that. And then, you know, one command point to, you know, he was bringing them in off the side because of the one ghoul's special ability. Um, mm-hmm. It was just bananas. It was so much fun. It was really, like, we both had a good time. It was kind of crazy. But they had me. Like, we, we got lucky because they played a really tight game and brought it in, and they got Nagash down to one more wound, and we would have been gone, and there would have been a great unclean one just punching ghouls in the face. So we really, we just won that, you know, the game went two more turns after that, but that round where I made that, I mean, it literally came down to one to one wound, one save roll. So that was kind of crazy. Next game we played against a, a team that was double Sylvaneth with Alarial and Durthu. And I handed dust at Alarial. And then uh, Durthu, I tried to hand a dust, but I didn't. But then I just punched so much magic into him that I killed him, too, with Nagash. I was down to 11 wounds down. I only had five wounds left by the time that one came. But there was one part where he did that spell where you can do wounds, and then on a five up, you get those wounds back. Mm-hmm. I got the spell off. I did two D3 wounds. I, did, I rolled sixes for both, so I did you know, three and three. Then I picked up six dice and rolled all fives are better and put back uh, six. They were just like, oh, my God. It was just dumb. Um, but, yeah, so then we we did that because once we took out Alarial and, and Durthu out of that list, there was just not enough to, to hold it off. Uh, where we ran into trouble with Nagash was in the last game. I played one army that was death and one army that was... Uh, uh, Iron Jaws. Interesting. Uh, yeah, so it was like a bunch of two big units of skeletons. And um, what happened was the other one was two mega bosses and then five brutes, five brutes, ten brutes. And I think that was the okay. whole thousand points. Yeah. But I was trying to get Nagash over to the brutes, figuring the, the, the units of 20 ghouls was not going to do a damn thing. Uh, and it was true. They didn't really do much. They didn't slow him down almost at all. But uh, 
Nagash like got attacked by like thirty skeletons, and then he's like, "All right, I'm going to kill this many," and then and then Battleshock will like I got it like twenty six killed in a round, but then I'd kill it, and then he would summon one back, and then then I so basically we lost because we couldn't get any points off of the objectives because they just tied up Nagash, and then the brutes ran around punching everything in the face. Those are good. Yeah, those are crazy good. Like yes. I was like, wow! Like Iron Jaws is no joke. I want to go through that book again. We need to do that book soon because I need to, I. They did really well at Wapaka with that huge cavalry list, and I'm just like, or not Wapaka at Adepticon last year. There was a, a pretty good run on, with them. I'm like, and these guys are better than I was giving them credit for. Like I don't see a lot of people playing them, but I think these are pretty good. Mm-hmm. So that's what we, that's that was my gaming. So uh, you got any other? No. All right. Well, I don't have much other either, I don't think. My other was really um, was the Lindsay stuff and the Adepticon prep. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. So I guess we're done with that. Why don't we take a break, and we'll come back, and then we'll jump into our main topic. Yep. All right. Sounds good. Okay, listeners, what's the number one rule of hobby gaming? Okay, well, the number one rule of hobby gaming is don't buy more models than you can paint, but we all break that rule constantly. So what's the real number one rule of hobby gaming? Support your friendly local gaming store. And my friendly local gaming store is Lindsay's Gamer Garrison in Wakanda, Illinois. No, not that Wakanda. And no, not that Lindsay. So why Lindsay's Gamer Garrison? What do they have to offer? First, they carry everything Games Workshop. 40K, AOS, Blood Bowl, Necromunda, Kill Team, all the paint line. They even have Black Library books. They offer special discounts every day. And if you do go in there and there's something out of stock, special order discounts that you won't believe. After you buy all your models, feel free to stay and paint them at their fully stocked, totally free to use painting station. And then, once your army's ready, sign up for one of Lindsay's monthly tournaments. That's right. They have a local one-day event every single month, alternating between 40K and AOS. And that's still not all. Monday is Build and Paint Day. Come in on Monday, work on your latest project, you get a raffle ticket. Come in and play Warhammer on Saturday, get a raffle ticket. Now, what's the raffle? Every month, two winners receive a $50 gift card to use on GW Products just for coming in and playing and painting and being part of the community. And that's not even all you get for coming in and being a part of the community. Come in for that Saturday gaming where you get a raffle ticket. You also earn a Lindsay's Gamer token. And when you have eight tokens, you can turn them in and get free entry into one of the tournaments that I just mentioned earlier. And that's why I love Lindsay's Gamer Garrison. Fully stocked with all the GW product you could want, and they're doing their best to reward you for being part of the gaming community. What more could you ask for? A place to play, a place to build, a place to paint, a place to hang out, and a place that rewards you for being there. Folks, if you're looking for one place that will satisfy all your hobby needs, you have to come and see Lindsay's Gamer Garrison in Wakanda, Illinois. We are back. 
We are back from the toolbox. We are back, ready to talk about the topic for today. So, look, okay. So, I was at that tournament at Lindsay's, and after that, I thought it might be nice to go over all the things you need to play in, like, a match player or a tournament setting. And I don't mean just, like, Dyson's tape measures and stuff, because if you're listening to this, you probably know that already, at the very least. But there were several questions that came up during the course of the day, and not just rules questions, but even when we were setting up, you're like, okay, so wait, what do we have to do? What's going on? I mean, some of the players that were playing in the tournament seemed, I don't know if they were new to tabletop gaming, but I know some of them were at least new to AOS, or they were coming back after a long hiatus, Um, and so they were not 100%, some people were not 100% on exactly what they needed to do, like just to get the game rolling, and... Uh, there were some people coming in and talking to people and like kind of, you know, there were gamers there in the store, but they didn't play maybe AOS. They were playing because they've got historicals and they've got board games in there and they've got like magic and the card games. So I know when we were flipping through different books looking for different things. People were like, how many of these books do you need? And I realized I have like four books with me. I've got the the core rules, which I mean, you don't need it, but I had the book there because it had the different, uh, you know, the different. Uh, the realm rules. Yeah, well, not just the realm rules, but in the core book, you had some of the you had the 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 battle plans, you know, for the. Mm-hmm. So you got that going with that. You got the GHB. Then you need what is it? Malign sorcery, because that's got mm-hmm. the realm rules, right? Or that's no, the, the realm rules. The realm spells, and then you need your battle tome, and then I have my one and a half inch binder with all the PDFs uh, and all the I mean the FAQs and the. Errata. Mm-hmm. That I mean, there's just a lot. Like, and it, you know, I, I don't. I realize I don't play nearly as often as you do. In fact, I don't play as often as I should because I'm mostly doing more hobby side stuff than getting to play. Although, I kind of got the itch after last weekend. Um, but I was even going like, wait, what? What? Like, uh, do we have everything? Um, it was so nice. Brendan and Dave pulled out the the uh, scenery dice. <laughs> Because I had forgotten mine at home. Like, oh, I had scenery dice. Like, we've got ours. I'm like, excellent. But there were so many, you know, there's so many steps. Like, it could, it, it, it got confusing for some people. And I thought, I know we have some new listeners. People coming to Age of Sigmar, hearing us from other shows or hearing from other things. Um, I've been getting emails from people who are new listeners to the show. They came from 40K or whatnot. I just thought this might be a topic worth doing, especially because we got, you know, I mean, after this, we've got uh, we've got next week, and then we've got the end of the year wrap up, and it's like I'm kind of burning out on book, 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 book. Let's just take it easy and go like take it back a step, and just talk about all the things that what you need and what you don't, and let, just like the the practicalities of playing in a one dare, you know, or just an event in general. Yeah, any event, whether For a one dare environment. Yeah. I mean, even if you're showing up for a pickup game at the store, I mean, you don't know if this person wants to play with everything or if someone just... Because some of this stuff you can kind of take or leave. Mm-hmm. I, I know a lot of times when we're playing, we don't roll up for all the scenery because we just like, oh, you know what? I don't feel like it. You know? That's just laziness on my part. I actually like having all the scenery rules, but sometimes you forget to do them and then you feel bad if you roll them up and you don't do them. That's what Barnett and I used to call the cheating phase. Which is where you make all those mistakes because you're not paying attention, not because you're trying to cheat, because of course. But well, I think Barnett cheated a lot because he's a cheater head. Wow. Well, you know, I, I'm only okay. saying that because if he's listening, then I'll get it. I'll get a text. So it's like when I say, "Hey, that Joe Giro is a real jag hole." 
You know, that, you know, you just throw that out there. Well, one is a statement of fact. The other is like an opinion. I'll let you decide which. Uh, regardless. Yeah, I guess Barnett so, would say it's just my opinion that he cheats, even though he's a dirty cheater. So, all right. So, okay. So first things first, what do we, if we're going to play by the rules, like play all the rules and not start picking and choosing, not start salad bar in this thing, what do we need? Well, you need your core book, uh, mainly because it has the core rules in it. Uh, now, granted, you could have that on your app because it is on your app on your phone. Or the big thing that you need the core book for is the realm rules. Uh, if you're going to be playing with that, because at the end of it, it does have all the different realms. That's starting on page 254 to 260. So this is for playing the seven realms that we can play in. Obviously, Akshi is locked up. Or not actually, uh, Azir, Azir is locked. And then the Realm of Chaos is just a bad idea. So what you're going to want to do is obviously you're going to bring that book. You're going to need your General's Handbook 2018 because it has the rest of the battle plans in it. It also has all your points. It also has a ton of Allegiance abilities. Um, it also has a lot of additions to your army, especially if you're a summoner like Korn or Zinch or Slanesh. There's a lot of rules in there. Seraphon have new... Like, there's a lot of new in the Handbook 2018. You'll also be looking at your Blind Sorcery book. Now, the big reason for this one is twofold. It's all the different Realm artifacts. Now, granted, a lot of them have been updated and FAQ'd, so you'll have to double-check those as well, depending on what you're going to be taking. But the big thing is to get all the additional Realm spells, because there's six additional ones in this book for each one of the realms, on top of the one that's in it to begin with. So you'll need that as well. And then you're going to need your battle tome, or tomes, depending on how you're building your army, with allies or this, that, and the other thing. So you're going to need a couple of books. Yes, it's a lot to keep track of. Fully agree. But this is part of the game where you can do the sandbox if you wanted to. So if you're going to an event, read the rules. I know that seems really silly. That's a huge thing. I generally is. don't read because I just don't care enough. Like, I ain't going to win anyway, so why do I care? But, nah, dude, seriously, getting there a little early and just finding out, you know, that stuff, yeah. you know, getting ahead of it so you know at least a familiar uh, makes it so much easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so definitely read the rules pack that comes out and make sure that you know what you're getting into. Because there are some events that don't want to use the realm rules. There are some events that do. So it's just making sure that you are picking the event for you. Now, for Adepticon, we're using the full realm rules. We're using the realm spells. We are doing all of this stuff because that's how we playtested it in the process of going from AOS 1 to 2. So this is what we tested it at. This is what this is the direction that we went with it. So that's part of why we do it. Also, there's a lot of things in here that give uh, that answer questions to a lot of different armies that they don't have answers to. Uh, for instance, like a lot of the armies that don't have access to Baltum specific lores or prayers or artifacts for that matter, where it's just using the Grand Alliance stuff, they now have a plethora of options to pick from. They now have all these new spells. 
And granted, everybody gets them, so mega casters like Nagash and a few other guys get a little bit of a bump too. Oh yeah, but that was kind of sweet, but, actually. Yeah, it's great when you can do twelve million spells and you have twelve million spells. So, and every game, but every I, you know, I came into the tournament with my three I had and the three I picked, so I had my six plus what anyone else who had new death knew on the table. But then every game, I was like, oh, look, I might be able to, this, this could make something different, something interesting. And even if you don't have that many spells, just opening up that difference. Now, question. When you're writing your list, you can pick a realm you're from, and that's how you get the artifacts, right? Correct. You don't get any spells from that, or do you get the one spell from the realm? No. Okay, so you but, get no spells. So that depends on where you play. You can get yes. seven, seven more spells, basically. Yes, there's one in the core book. Uh, so for, like, Shyish, it's Paul of Doom. But then when you get into the GH or to the Malign Sorcery expansion, there's six more in there. So there's seven spells from the realm that you get in whatever game you're playing. So just make sure that anyone you're not doing a match play environment, make sure to chat with your opponent what they want to do. Because there's a lot to consider. Because some people want to play with these, some people don't. So if you are going to play full realm rules, you're going to want to pick the realm you're fighting in, either mutual decision or roll a d8 and cut out the eight or the one, and then just count from there. And if you don't, uh, and if you don't have the monsters to play in Gur, you can just roll a d6, or you can just ignore that part of it and play in Gur. Yeah, that's true. You can just play in Gur and ignore the monster part too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, again, well, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a option. sandbox. Play what you want to play. Exactly. Um, when I'm teaching someone how to play for the first time. I don't worry about realm rules at all. Like, I don't even mention realms. Like, that's not a thing. I just want you to learn how to measure your models and move them and roll dice and pick targets. And Yeah, but when you're going into a more organized environment, you may be adding these realm rules. Yeah. So, uh, so big thing is you pick your realm, and then you're going to roll on the realmscape feature table. And, again, check the FAQ on a couple of these. But... Just make it work. work. Realistically. Now, some of these are pretty crazy. In Akshi, there's the one where you get to bump the rend of missile attacks that travel more than 12 inches. Okay, that's great, but then it could be nothing. So, But the thing is with the realm rules is that it gives... Yeah, there's always the option that nothing happens weird here. Which I, yeah. I like that there's, an, there's a nothing weird option. Yes. Because sometimes it can be the, overwhelming. Because uh, remember when they did that with the with the with the woods in the last edition? Yep. And I always thought that it should be on a six. It's a funky wood, and then you roll up what the funky wood is. But in the game, it wound up being two through six are all sorts of funky woods, and that was just uh, at times you're just like over like oh uh, can we just not do this? Can we just pretend we rolled nothing weird? Because uh, it got yeah. it got out of hand at times. Because that was a surprise. This right. you're predetermining. Mm-hmm. So you can adapt a little more to it. With... Oh, then we'll talk about the terrain here in a second. With this, you've got everything predetermined. With the terrain you have on the table, some of it will have terrain. War Scrolls is defined the GHB. So double-check those. Because they are in there. Oh, that's right. Most we didn't even them. look at that. Well, I mean, but now... 
I know sometimes you're not playing with yeah, you're just playing with gener- generic terrain. So like there is nothing yeah. to check. But so the Citadel kits, they all have their own war scrolls, um, and that's starting on page what is this? Page ninety in the GHB. So this is any of the current GW kits that they make um, have their own rules, including some of the 40k stuff that a lot of people may not have looked at originally. The uh, barbed venom gro- venom gores. The there was one more. The shard rack spines, like those, all have war scrolls yep. that you can use. So if you've got them, play with them. Certainly encourage it. If not, roll on the chart. You have a D six. They're all one inch area of effect from the building it or from the terrain feature. So it's not like they're as crazy. The new version of Mystical isn't one you know roll of a dice. Your unit is screwed and can't do anything, or your model dies if you roll a one when it moves near it. Yeah, that's not how it works anymore. So the table is much more player friendly compared to what it used to be. So, I mean, obviously do this mutually agreeable manner, but roll a dice and see what applies. Scenerydice.co.uk. You're welcome, Ben. So <laughs> I have I have a dozen of each of those dice. Like I bought a yeah. couple of packs of each because super super useful. Or GW has their own with the little markers on them for all the different symbols. So you've got different options to do that, but use them. They're a part of the game, and you just kind of roll with it. I think what a lot of people forget when they're doing movement is the movement up and down. When they're going through terrain. Like, you can go through the terrain, that's fine, but you have to pay the distance up and down. Yeah. So you actually have to measure it, because, like, a regular wall is only about an inch tall. But, but the one attached to the two Sigmite Mausoleum is two inches tall at its lowest. So that's cutting four inches off your total move just to get across. Yeah. So you got to make sure you're paying attention to that. And there's a lot of armies that ignore Stuff like that. There's a lot of flying armies out there right now. So you just have to make sure that you understand how the terrain interacts with your army. And there's a lot of terrain that players bring to the table now. Between the Deepkin boats, between the Sylvaneth woods, between the her- and then the Herdstone now Yep. for Beast of Chaos. There's a lot of extra stuff that gets brought by the players to the tables. It's so bogus that the Stormcast don't have any cool terrain. They never get anything. Harrison just flipped me off. Harrison. My to be son. fair, you kind of earned that one. I know, I but, did. I just try to so, annoy people. So Yeah. And then once you've got all that set up, the next thing to do is roll the scenario. <laughs> or the battle plan. I don't like... The idea of let's roll the battle plan and then set the table up because then you're setting it up with an advanced knowledge of what you're going to be doing. Oh, so I always set terrain. Put terrain. Yeah, I always yeah. set up the terrain before we do any of that stuff, you know, if we're playing around here. Yeah, and if you're going into a match play environment, your TO will probably have the terrain all set up before you get there. So it's just good practice, but also if you know in advance that you're going to be playing Scorched Earth, you may put terrain 
in and around or away from the objectives because you know that that's what's going to be doing the business. Whereas if you don't know, it creates more of a level playing field. So that's what I would do. Now there's 18 battle plans to pick from. And you can roll on the chart to see what you get. You can pull a card at random if you got the generals or the uh, warlords edition of the general's handbook. Yeah, the open so, those open war cards are nice because they throw in the they throw in you know a whole yeah, bunch of different things. Even besides those, like just the generic eighteen battle plans. Oh yeah, yeah. For uh, the two between the two books, between the GHB and the core book, but also you have the open war cards, and those things are still good uh, for doing wacky one-off scenarios where you're just looking to have some fun and not worry about like the perfect balance situation where you're just trying to have fun. Right. Heaven forbid we do that. Yeah. That, so, so yeah. So those wouldn't be in most of your tournaments. Although we no. did, we did one uh, at, at uh, back with, at uh, unique gifts and games where we just flip, flip, flip. That's what we're playing. Like, and everybody knew it. That's, that was the, that's what the day was going to be. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, there's, I mean, there, we haven't even started playing yet. We got realms, we got this, we got that, we got the other. This is where it was getting confusing for people because they didn't know where to look or what we were having. Um, and this is why I thought it might be fun just to talk about it a little bit because, you know, and, and especially for people like, ah, this game's there's nothing to it. It's so simple, so simple. And I know there's nobody still playing it who says that. That's all the people who went away and, you know, goodbye. Um that's yeah, too simple. Short rules. Short rules. There's so many extra layers of things you can get uh, that you can add to this to add to the complexity to add to the little things that you want to go through. Because like I said, we haven't gotten. We've been talking now for almost 20 minutes, and we haven't actually gotten to. We're just still setting up our game. Yep. So, so okay. So we got to the table. We set up the terrain first because we mm-hmm. don't want to know what we're doing. Um. We came to the table with the realms. If we're, if we're playing in a realm, we got that picked out already. Not if we're playing yep. in a realm. Uh, if our if our army is from a realm, we've picked mm-hmm. that out. So our army could be from a specific realm, which can add to all your hobbying and whatnot. Then we sit down, and now we either roll four or we have predetermined what realm we're going to play in. And that brings in a whole new set of rules. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we determine if the realm is going to affect the the board, and in what way. With the realmscape feature, right? With the realmscape feature, um, we've now we've got a whole new list of spells. So your your wizard's um, uh, abilities uh, just just grew, uh, and sometimes it grows. It's you know yes, depending on what army you're playing. Sometimes you got a realm that doesn't help you at all, and sometimes you get a realm that is stupid helpful. Um, but that's part of the random, and then yeah. then we got to roll for all our scenery, or look for the mm-hmm. rules in the scenery book if we're playing with some GW Citadel scenery. And now we've got all of that together. So now we can play, I think. Well, at this point, you're going to roll off to see who to play first. Okay, right, right, right. Okay, and so that person gets to pick sides. And see what they yes. want to deploy. Um, which a lot of times, if you're at a tournament, unless there's something really specific, um, the boards always seem to be pretty evenly, you know, spread out. So it doesn't the board doesn't give too much of an advantage. I mean, unless you're playing in something Herner's doing, the boards are usually. The other thing to consider is, and this is why terrain is important. 
especially doing the random stuff. Because if you're playing a heavy casting army and there's a piece of arcane on one side of the table, you may go towards that side of the table. That's true. So you just have to pay attention to where that is. Or if you're playing in Akshi, where it's clouds of smoke and steam, where all the terrain blocks line of sight straight up, on that template of the terrain feature, that may or may not have more cover. Or make it uh, a little harder for you to shoot at things, depending on your army. So it's just trying to figure out what's going to be the most advantageous to you, if you get it. So that's why the terrain matters. Uh, see, so. and there, yeah, and I never even really considered that that because you're going to roll off for all your what the terrain does before you do that picking size, don't you? You roll for you roll your mm-hmm. terrain first. See, so often we forget, and then we pick sides, and then the game's going. It's like, oh crap, we should roll for terrain. Yeah, and then somebody gets screwed or somebody gets really lucky. But we should be mm-hmm. doing that before the game starts. See, I'm taking notes. I literally, I'm literally taking. I have my notebook out here. I'm not just taking notes on the times and the edits. I'm taking notes on all of this stuff too because I, yeah, I never thought about making sure to roll for terrain beforehand because it may affect what side I want to pick. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're <laughs> playing with against a casting army, you may want the side with the terrain that is arcane to deny your opponent. But also, if they're going to be playing a magic heavy army. Arcane gives you plus one to unbind as well. So you may want that side. Mm-hmm. Or if you're sneaky, like a dirty Sylvaneth player, and you set up your woods... Is there any such, other kind? Well, this is actually a very legit move, but if you set up a wild wood angled into one deployment zone, then you take the other one that the wood isn't in, so say it screws up with your opponent's deployment? Oh. Interesting. Yeah. But this is all sorts of stuff that just happens before you even set up another model, besides a terrain feature. Yeah. And the big thing is you're playing a pickup game. Don't set up terrain so say it's advantageous one way or the other. Set it up so say the table looks pretty is really how I play it, and this is legit. Every time I go to the local store and play a game, it's, okay, let's make the terrain look pretty, and then we'll figure out the rest. The one thing I always try to do, and I and I have an army that shoots, or at least one of my army shoots, I always try to make sure that there's some good line of sight, like there's, there's not a ton of open space for open firing lanes and stuff. I try to keep mm-hmm. it. I try to put enough uh, terrain on the table so that you can kind of move around between things and, and jump around and stuff like that. Um, I like I like my my tables uh, very uh, very populated with terrain pieces, but I didn't even think about that. All those people bringing terrain too, because you got Nurgle bringing their trees and and then and summoning more. Same with Sylvaneth. All those woods. I don't play too much against Sylvaneth, and I've seen that happen where it's like suddenly there's all these trees on the board. And while it's cool, uh, that just frustrates the heck out of me. I don't know why. There is in particular frustrates the heck out of me, more so even than all the Nurgle trees. More so because... They're so large. Well, they're large, and they also block line of sight. Yeah, yeah. Because they are citadel woods. And so... Which block line of sight. Now, they block line of sight as per the, the base... As per the Citadel Wood War Scroll, 
because the Sylvaneth Wildwood War Scroll mm -hmm. says that it is a grouping of one to three Citadel Woods. Okay. Citadel Woods have a war scroll that says if you have to draw a line of sight more than one inch between your target and the terrain feature, you can't see them. Oh, okay. So it's not even just hiding behind the three trees. If if I'm within, if I'm one inch deep into the edge of that, the, the or if you have to shoot through more than an inch of that tree. Oh, okay. So you can't you can't see them at all if they're within it. So that's like the old seventh ed rules. If I've got the entire unit more than an inch inside the border of that. Then, or on the other side of it. Or on the other side of it, then they can't be see. Now they can't see through it either, though. So, right. It's not like they can hide in it and shoot out. But okay. Yeah. Okay. Not, unless you fly, like there is, if you or the thing you're shooting at flies, you ignore it. So, but how often do you get a lot of flyers that shoot? Zangor enlightened pigeons. Uh, pigeons. Engine riggers, uh, sky wardens. So, like, there is some, but it's not as prevalent flying and shooting. Right. So you've got that going on, and all that's being placed down. And right. like I said, you've got the Nurgle Woods, and then you've got all... I just I didn't even think about all that extra terrain people are bringing in. Because some of it's big. That, those boats are big. Especially because you get to put two pieces down, and you can do two halves, or you can do two boats. Yeah, so that's one of those things that you need to be cognizant of. There are additional rules in the FAQ to address the boats and where they can be placed next to objectives um, because they do take so much movement to get up and over because it's up, down, and up, down to get right, through the rim you, of the boat. Right, because you don't ignore the height again. You ignore the height. Don't you ignore the height in 40K or something like that? I thought... I thought you ignored height somewhere. It. Okay, but I thought you ignored height somewhere. If you know, even if you're not a flyer, but yeah, that is those, yeah, that's big. That's a lot. Okay. Yeah. So there's some additional things you need to be cognizant of, uh, but when I'm playing a game Age of Sigmar, I try not to put more than eight or ten pieces on the table before the player brought terrain. And when I'm trying to set up a table for an event. I don't want to have Sylvaneth players set more than two trees up in a bunch um, just for purposes of balance and positive player experience. Like they still get the middle, which is two. So do you make that a rule or do you just make sure that the terrain no, that's is... when I set up terrain. Okay. So that there's no way to put all three in like that. Yeah. But two, I'm not going to argue with you. No, that's like the, that's the middle ground. I don't want you to be so crowded you can't put one down or can only put one base down, but two is generally what I try to do. And if you've seen me set up for events, I'm out there with the actual template to make sure that there are multiple locations that two could go into right. on the board. Right. So I've seen that myself. Uh, quick question. So we were playing last weekend. Um, now, if you're playing death, you put down four... And we were just using small tokens. We weren't using anything really fancy to mark the graveyards. Yeah, the grave markers. The grave markers. Oh. So death versus death, there's eight grave markers on the board. Or if it's a team, there's 16. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, if both players on a team are playing death, you each get your own set of grave markers. So if it's 
and two on correct two. me if I'm wrong, but um, like I, when we were reading the rules for the grave markers, if you're close to multiple grave markers, yep, then you get the bonus from all the graves, right? Yep, and if there's 16 grave markers, I can use. I don't. Yep. I'm not limited to my four. Or your partner's four and your four, you get access to all 16. If there's yes, all yeah, four players on the table with legions. See, and that now, was happening this weekend. I was killing skeletons, and then yeah. they were getting three d three back almost no matter where they were. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, in for Adepticon, we did add an addendum that you can't use. Um, your non-allegiance markers. So, if you're playing a Legion of Blood and I'm playing Legion of Night, I can't use your grave markers. Okay. Because it, we ran into that concern where you could have 16 grave markers on the table and every death unit is pinging off of all of them. So, what's going to happen? So, Greg Dan and I are playing in the team tournament. And he's going to need. I'm sorry. Well, okay. Um, well, for Greg. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I it's see okay. what you did there. I, I see. I got you. So um, he's going to need to borrow an army for this, obviously. And yeah. so we're going to make something up. We've got to take 2,000 points of what I have. So, like, if, if we take 2,000 points worth of death, we should make them from the same legion. No, you can't do that. Oh, you can't do that. Because I also put in there that you cannot duplicate allegiances. Oh. Except for Grand Order. Except for a Grand Alliance. Uh, and that was done to prevent things like four Deepkin boats, nine Zinch Destiny dice. Um, it still gives players the creativity and some of the flexibility, but without being stupid and creating like this massive FAQ to address uh, everything. You know what? That's probably the best plan right there. There was no good answer. Do you have to be in the same Grand Alliance? I'm just asking. No, no. Oh, so so it's like okay. you could not do, you and Greg could not do two legions of sacrament. One of you would have to be legion of blood and then the other would be legion of sacrament. Okay. Unless you're an alliance army. So if you're taking Grand Alliance Order as your allegiance, then that knocks off. But you can't do like two legions of blood. Okay. Interesting. And this is why you read your rule pack. Yeah, folks. again, this is. Yeah, it's important. And yes, some people are going to be like, well, we want to do double deepkin, this, that, and the other thing. It's like, well, I'm trying to be as fair as we can realistically and try to not create a negative player experience because that's at the end of the day what I'm more concerned about is negative player experience. True. So very true. This is why you read your pack. <laughs> oh boy. So now we've got all this, we've got the table set up. We've got all of our extra pieces of terrain placed. We've placed out our armies. And so now we can finally play. I think. Well, did we talk about the deployment with battalions? Oh, okay, that's right. So now we're deploying. Um, now, if you have a battalion, you can deploy some or all of the battalion at the same time. Am I correct? 
Yes. Uh, my other question, and uh, just for clarification's sake, now some people can set up out in outer space or wherever, underground, <laughs> out in space, in the water, whatever you're doing. Yep. Um, you, you have to have at least one on the table for everyone that's off the table. So Correct. now the question uh, I don't know, this may be a two-parter. Um so you ha- you can't start with your first unit you place going off the table because there's not a unit on the table. Am I correct on that? Like do you have to literally have a unit on the table to put one off the table? I believe so. I believe so too. Okay, good. So I thought I was right about that. Uh so if I'm placing a battalion and there's 5 units in the battalion, can I just be like 3 around the ground and 3 are in- and 2 are in space? You have to deploy them in such a fashion that you have one for one. At least one for one. So, yeah. So I, But since it's all deploying at the same time, I can just be like, okay, these three are on the table. These two are going to be off. and But that still counts as the whole battalion. You still have to set up the units on the table before you put the ones in the outer space. Okay. Okay. That's what I thought. It's just the cleanest way to do it. Mm-hmm. And the benefit of... Well, besides getting extra artifacts for battalions and getting an extra command point to start the game for a battalion, um, you also um, could conceivably put your whole army down in one big drop, which then gets you done first, deployed first, which yeah. gets, gets you choice of turn, right? Yeah, for the first turn. Now, it's not as big a deal uh, because in AOS 1 for... For a lot of reasons, everyone was trying to do the one-drop uh, or two-drop armies. There's only a couple of armies that can really do that effectively now, uh, Sylvaneth being first among them because of how they try to set up the war groves. And realistically, they need that first turn. Otherwise, they kind of end up behind eight ball, as it were, for terms of setting up for purposes of their movement. Uh, Sylvaneth tend to do one-drop armies. Uh, because they can. It's a little easier for them with the battalion rules and how their book is particularly operated. So, And I actually think, no, I don't know, I, I doubt it's even close to optimal, but I was running through my the Legions and Agash book as I was doing this stuff looking for this, and there's one of the one of the battalions that he's in, and then he can take up to, like, he can take skeletons and graveguard and dogs. And I couldn't even max that okay, out. Like in the, the first cohort? Yeah, I think so. That you can yeah. do 2,000 points easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was trying to figure that out, and I was like, no, I can't even max out the number of units. Like, I couldn't max it out to biggest size units possible and do as many units were allowed in the game. I had to cut back on a few to keep it within 2,000. So you could totally do a one-drop for that. But then again, he's 800 points. I get it. But still. Yeah. I mean, it's possible to do it. It's just if you do that particular one drop you're not getting as many options as like the one drops with Sylvaneth. Right. Because all of their named wargroves that's the battalion and required units and then everything else. So that all is one big battalion essentially. So they do it they kind of need that first turn to set their army up. Having played against Sylvaneth where they don't get that first choice it's a little rough for them. Not gonna lie. Cool. Good to know. So, and a lot of people mess up the battalion point. That's why I brought it up, because I want to make sure that battalions are weird. So it's either in pieces and then a whole, or 
a hole. So I can go, though, and put like... All right, let's say my battalion had six units. Could I just place one of the units from the battalion on the table and not say I'm placing the battalion and then be like, this is what's left of the battalion, I'm placing the whole thing? Yes. Yeah, because at any point, I could just be like, this is part of my battalion or what's left of it. As long as it's part of that battalion, I can drop it however I want to drop it. Yeah. Okay. It's just you can't do a chunk and then trickle. You've got to do trickle and chunk, as far as I'm aware. Oh, so I can't drop three or four of the pieces and then just do the individuals after that. I believe so. Interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, battalions always confuse even me. So I am actually actively double-checking if I'm not telling people lies. Okay, so suddenly realized, folks, that we said some things that were probably inaccurate. So <laughs> in the interest of bad radio but also being accurate, which is far more important, uh, pulled up the battalion rules. Um, and I told you that there are even things that some of us screw up. Well, we screwed this one up. So, uh, <laughs> as per the battalion rules, which is found in your battle tome, which is where I found it, um, when you, here it is verbatim, this is directly from the Deepkin book, um, when you are setting up, you can set up all of the units in a Warsaw Battalion instead of setting up an, a single unit. Alternatively, you can set up some of the units from a Warsaw Battalion and set up any remaining units individually later on. Or you can set up all the units individually. So it's either one big clump, clump and individual units after, or all individual units. So no multiple clumps. No multiple clumps. Got you. That's good to know. But you can you can do. I always screw that up. Makes sense. You can go right. with part of it and then individuals, or you can do still do individuals and then part. No. I thought it said you could. No. It's you either get deploy it as one. Uh huh. Deploy some. And then deploy individuals. And then, okay, or, so it does say some and then individuals. Okay, so yeah, I'm sorry, my mistake. Yeah, this this that, part always confused me because most of the time with battalions, I don't, you don't see this where it, the individually or clump and then drip with how many units you do. Normally it's just one clump. So. One clump. Yes. Gotcha. Okay, so... Now that we've had that fun. <laughs> so we get the War Scroll Battalions, and we deploy. And now, finally... Okay, I think that's everything, right? Like, now, once we've all deployed, then we can just have our regular game and make all the mistakes we make during the rolls and the rules for that. Yes. But this is literally all the stuff. Now, once again, you don't have to do all this. You can just... Say, hey, we're just going to play on this table, mm -hmm. and maybe you'll have some terrain rules, maybe not even that. You can literally play it like you used to play old Warhammer and just be like, hey, here's a table. Um, well, even then they had rules for terrain, but you can, you, can, you can do as much or as little of this as you want, although, once again, with tournaments they're doing, they seem to be, at least the ones I've been going to, are at the very least using the realm the realm rules mm -hmm. and letting everybody see how that goes. Yeah. Um, so, 
Yeah, this this really comes down to um, if you're playing in an organized event, like you said, reading the rules, knowing all the different things that they're going to be having or not having, and uh, and if you're just playing with a friend, just you know, seeing how much you know that that's more of a just. Hey, do you want to? Should we roll up terrain? Do you want to roll up a, a realm? Do you want to do this or that? And find something you both agree on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, I, like I said, I, this seems really simple, but I, even as we're laying it all out, I'm like, man, I know I'd forget things. I know I would forget things. I'd never roll for terrain before figuring out the other stuff, which we should be doing that like early on, not after the game starts. We should be doing that before we even pick sides. So, see, I learned something, and I like to learn. Learning is good. It's fundamental. That's reading. Although reading is important, too, because when people say, hey, Alex, how does this work? What's your question you always ask them? What does it say in the rules? What does it say in the rules? Exactly. So literacy is not just for losers. It's a good thing to do. Mm -hmm. I think that's it. Is that it? Like I mean, I hope so. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of quick. We got the, you know, we got much more coming up, and the holidays are here, and we're trying to trying to get some some stuff out to everybody. Um, why don't we just, uh, I guess, let's take a quick break and come back and end the show. Are you finally looking to start your rebasing project? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some new and interesting resin terrain? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some fancy acrylic counters to keep track of wounds or maybe some other statistical anomalies? Six Squared Studios. Maybe you need a new rack for your paint? Six Squared Studios. Well, then look no further. What you need is Six Squared Studios. They ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both the U.S. and Canada. Six Squared Studios. That's right, Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, squaredstudios.ca. When your gaming needs go beyond your basic dice, tape measure, models, and paints, think Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Now all your base are belong from them. We are back to say goodbye. <laughs> yeah, goodbye. Um, so, I mean, well, I, I, I was going to sit here. I should have said in the beginning, listen, if you know all this stuff and you just want to tune out, I totally get it. But um, like I said, I know we have a lot of new listeners who write in and ask about this stuff. And we have, mm-hmm. we have, you know, I was at a tournament this week with newer players who had all these questions. And even when Brandon and I are playing, it's like, wait, what do we do next? And, you know. Uh, the 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 one argument, if I had just one argument for why we needed to do this, it's because I never ever ever think to roll up my terrain, much less roll it up before we pick all the other important things. 
Mm-hmm. So it's like, no, I don't play this game correctly as the way it's supposed to be played if you're using all the rules. So I'm I'm just as guilty as anybody of not knowing how everything works. Um so it I think it was I think it was worth doing. Now next episode I think we're pulling another old tome out. Yeah. Cuz those iron jaws I played against, I want to read up on that. Yeah. Um and then this will catch us up through the current stuff with the exception of Stormcast and Beast Chaos. Yes. So Stormcast and Beast of Chaos. And I, yeah, then we got everything, I think. Okay. About time. Yeah. So there's still a lot more to cover. And then we have talked about wanting to do bits of background out of the core book. Like, there's still a lot for us to cover, but we want to get that one uh, before we move on to everything else from second edition forward. Right. So I think that's the focus we're going to go into. Yeah. And then uh, the Christmas episode again this year will be the uh, a GW Year in Review where we'll talk about the stuff that came out and our favorite things and our least favorite things and stuff like that. Um, not too many least favorites, but it's still pretty cool. So, uh, okay, box. Well, I think that's it. I guess we, uh, I guess we're going to say goodbye, huh? That's yeah. All right. So folks, uh, don't forget to check out after Eleanor. It's on the free Buddhas network, along with lots of other cool, great shows. And that's the only place you can hear them. Uh, if you like it, leave. Please leave the Free Buddhist Network a nice iTunes review if you can. And also, it wouldn't be bad to leave us a nice iTunes review if you can. And check out the Patreon page. Um, if you think the show is worth helping out, we appreciate it. Nobody is obligated to. The show is all and always has been a free show. But if you want to be one of the people who gives us something to make the show better, um, that's cool. And we appreciate it. Uh, and to that end, once again, I want to thank the associate producers, Phil Elliott, Dwight Sims, and Christopher Sanders, and our executive producer, Nick Nepliotis. Um, and that's, that's it. That is really it. We're done. And pretty quick, too. So there we go. All right, folks. Um, Alex, Iron Jaws soon. Wah! And then in January, we saw that thing. Didn't we see the thing? Wasn't that coming next year? That was the thing they put with Nova, the big, the 10-second preview with the grot face in the moon. That's the moon clan, right? We didn't talk about that because we were doing stuff on the last show, but that that came out on the in the preview. I don't know what you're talking about. Didn't it? I thought we I saw pictures. Pretty sure you're hallucinating. I'm not hallucinating. That looked real. I, and I'm. Uh, I'm telling you, if if that stuff looks anything like this, this and it was blood and glory. Oh, it was blood and glory. Is where they previewed that. They did the sneaky peek for Wrath and Rapture at Nova. Right. Okay. Along with Blackstone Fortress. Right. Okay. But so yeah, blood and glory. But man, if those if those if those Moon Clan guys, if assuming it's Moon Clan, if they look anything like those new models from. Underworlds, that's going to be stupid awesome. You're going to see a lot more of that on the table. And I love me some green skins, so I ain't complaining. So, mm-hmm. And uh, I promise, knowing how much you love your green skins, if it does come out while you're on maternity leave, I will I'll leave it alone until you get back. How's that? I make this pledge right here on the air. Okay, there is nothing saying that is Moon Clan or anything like that. 
For all we know, this is probably inaccurate. It could be like a mooncast stormcast chamber. It could like, be that guy from the McDonald's commercials that sings It's Mac Tonight. So, but if you're going to make ridiculous statements, so am I. Come on. I mean, you know, I looked at the picture. I just, that's what I thought. That's what it looked like to me. That's what it looked like in the picture. But I get we don't want to, I don't want to assume because I know what happens when you assume things. So, you make an ass of you. Yeah, uh, um, yep. Anyway, <laughs> so, Dave. Yes. Who shall be triumphant? Oh, nice. Only the faithful will be triumphant. Only the faithful will stand when all others fall, and only the faithful. No, no despair except in failure. You've been listening to Garage Hammer. If you've enjoyed the show, maybe consider leaving us a positive review on iTunes, or check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash garage If you'd like to reach us, you can contact us via our email address, garagehammer at live.com. You can also find us on Twitter. David is at GarageHammer. And Alex, that's me, is at SomeKindOfGeek30. Original music by Claire Seabrook. You can find more of her work at SoundCloud.com slash Claire Seabrook Music. Finally, if you want to join the GarageHammer community, as well as the AOS community worldwide, you can comment on our episodes in the show thread at the Grand Alliance Forums, that's tga.community, or check out the Garage Hammer Facebook page. And as always, thanks for listening.